You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Today we're, uh, we're finishing the series that we've been on, uh, which is in 2 Peter chapter 1. And uh, for eight weeks we've been going through this passage of scripture. There's been a lot of truth, a lot of meat in it that we've been going through. It's been exciting. Um, I think it's been challenging, even for myself, as I've really dug into what God is saying through this passage. And so for one more time, we're going to read it together. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. It says this, "...is His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness." Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, or mutual affection, or most importantly, brotherly love, as we looked at last week. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into, eternal, into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this passage of Scripture, uh, as we've looked at over the weeks, is God has given us everything we need to live this life. By faith, we receive everything. We receive the whole package. We receive His Spirit. We receive His Word. We receive um, all the things that we need that is no longer actually to live out the Christian faith. It isn't about our own strength, but actually it's all about Him in us, Right? However, faith by itself is not enough. Yes, it's enough for salvation. Yes, we receive everything by faith. But now we need to put it into practice. It isn't enough to say, I just believe in God, but never have action, never have deeds, never have anything that kind of lives it out. But actually, our faith needs to be backed up by something else growing in us. You see, as Christians, we can come to faith, but then plateau. We can just stop growing, stop maturing. And that's when, when Peter's talking to the church, he's, he said, I don't want you to be ineffective and unproductive. And I think Christians that aren't growing become ineffective and unproductive and do fall because we're either growing and maturing and becoming more like Christ or we're not and we're pulling away. In fact, if you think with God, it's kind of like canoeing up a stream. How many of you tried to canoe up a stream before? Nobody? Couple people? Okay, if you stop rowing, what happens? You start going backwards. It's a little bit kind of challenging, isn't it? Um, we went during our weekend away. We went canoeing up the little, uh, where, where were we? The weekend away. Bar- Barkum. Bar, bar, anyway, I won't even say it. Um, my Canadian accent doesn't allow me to say it properly, so I won't even try. But anyways, we went canoeing up this little, this little kind of river, and uh, it was quite slow moving. I couldn't actually tell which way the river was going. Um, but, when you're up kind of more aggressive streams, you know, the minute you stop, you start going backwards. And so the same thing is with our walk with God. Either we're growing and becoming more like Jesus, or actually we're, we're falling away. It, there's actually no middle ground for very long. And so 
God challenges us to make every effort to add to our faith these various virtues or these various things that help us to become all that he wants us to be. And so over the last seven weeks, we've looked at, uh, we've looked at goodness, we've looked at knowledge, we looked at self-control, we've looked at perseverance, we looked at godliness, and last week we looked at brotherly kindness or mutual affection or actually what is in scripture is Philadelphia, in the English kind of Philadelphia. Now it wasn't, as I said, it wasn't about cheese. It wasn't about talking about we need to add, make every effort to add Philadelphia cheese to our life. Uh, as much as I love cheesecake, um, I don't think that's what Peter was talking about. He was talking about this sense of our connection to one another's family, right? To be family, to grow in brotherly love with one another. And, and today we're looking at this last, this last ingredient that Peter unpackages. That we love, that we add to our faith, love. Now love is actually, of all of these things, is the one thing that's actually also a commandment. In fact, Jesus, when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? We read in Matthew 22, 34 to, to 40, this, this whole interaction that's there. He, he gives two things that we're to love, right? We're, the greatest is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all that is within you. But the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And if we do these things, we'll fulfill everything that God has asked of us. It's just that simple. Jesus says that if you actually just love God with everything and you love your neighbor as yourself, you know what? You'll fulfill all the heart of God. What is God's will for your life? Do those two things. That's so simple, isn't it? But so challenging. <laughs> just to love God and just to love one another. In fact, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, we see that we can move in all sorts of gifts of the Spirit. We can do all sorts of exploits for God. But actually, if there's not love, we, we have achieved nothing. And if, just to read it, just for, uh, to, to remind us of it. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses uh, 1 to 3, it says this. It says, if we speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and, and if I have a faith that can move the mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but all, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Ultimately, if, if love isn't in the mixture of my life, no matter what I'm doing for God, is of no value. Love is one of these important ingredients that we cannot live without as a believer. You can say, I believe in God, but I don't really love the people around me. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way, does it? You can't say, I, 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 I believe and have faith in God without love being an ingredient that starts to be part of our life. Why? Because ultimately, God is what? Love. And if His Spirit is living in us, that Spirit of love, of who He is, starts to dwell in us. And we have to have something in us that starts to show love because His Spirit is love. He, he is love in us. Love is this outward demonstration of God's Spirit living in us. And in Galatians 5, we've looked at uh, some of the other virtues or other things that need to be added to our faith. But the first one of them is love, right? Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love is the first ingredient. Actually, we see that the fruit of the Spirit, if God's Spirit is living in us, love is one of the first things that should start to show, to show up to the people around us and through our lives. Christians should be the most loving people on the planet. Would you agree? 
Okay, only some of you agree. Okay, Christians, and if you don't agree, I'm going to challenge you to agree, okay? Christians should be the most loving people on the planet. When people, yes, there we go. Yes, amen, preach it. When people come in contact with Christians, they, 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 they should be overwhelmed by this difference of love that comes out of our lives versus what they would see in human love. Because we have something that those who don't know the Lord yet possess, which is the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God brings love out in us because that's what the Spirit does. He's given us everything we need to do this, to make this happen. It's His Spirit that allows it. It permeates it through our, our veins. Sadly, I think in history, when, when we look at kind of Christendom over kind of the last 2,000 years, I don't think, you know, there's been wars fought on, on, on religious basis. There's been all sorts of things happen. And even, I think, even now as we look at what's going on in the world, right on our doorstep in, in, in Paris, you know, I think we can, as Christians, we could fight. And there's maybe a place you know, for, for standing for, for righteousness. Yes, there is a place for that. But love is still needs to be ingredient in our response, even to the perpetrators. And that's a challenge, isn't it? It's a real challenge for us in the world because I think everything in us would say, we don't want to do that. We're told in 2 Peter 1.7, what we just read, is to make every effort to add to your faith love. And this love, this word, is a, is a common word, I think, that we would all recognize in the church. And this is word is agape love, right? This unconditional love. And you and I do not possess that kind of unconditional love on our own. We have a condition in our love. And we would think even, you know, we, uh, you know for close friends or, or a family, that we would have this unconditional love just kind of built into us. But we don't. Because an unconditional love has no condition. It, it, it goes beyond human understanding. It's the love that Jesus has towards us, which goes beyond human understanding. How could Jesus love me, even though how many times I would have hurt him with what I do, with what I think, with what I respond, how I've rejected him in the past, how I disobey him at moments. How could God continue to love me? And even to love me to a point where it says... That could we, um, there's this, Paul, this prayer that Paul has that the church, that we would understand how deep and how wide, and how high and how long is this love that Christ has for us. That's a big love. This is an unconditional love. Not that we love Christ first, but he loved us and gave his life for us while we were still enemies. This is this unconditional love. And so when we start looking at agape love and, and, and Paul, or sorry, Peter's saying we need to make every effort to add this agape love to our, our faith to keep us effective. The first part of it is, is when we look at love, what is love? It's an action word. It's an action word. It's a verb. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. The world emphasizes love as a, as a feeling, right? The problem with that is that feelings can change from day to day. You know, we can love something and then despise it. We can love that chocolate cake until the third piece of the chocolate cake. And then we despise the chocolate cake because it no longer tastes good because we ate too much of it. How many have had that kind of moments before? <laughs> yes. I've had that experience a few times in my life where I think I've shared about Doritos in the past in the self-control element. And I've ate Doritos. The love-hate relationship I have Doritos, it just keeps coming. 
I, I eat them. I love them. And then I hate them because they make me feel awful, awful afterwards. But they taste so good. This is challenging. Very challenging. But with people, it's the same way, isn't it? Sometimes we love people and then the same people we love, they do things that offend us or hurt us. And the very people we once loved and adored, we now despise. It happens over and over in our lives. Someone says the wrong thing. Something happens that we disagree with. And, and where we once were passionately loved, we, we love this person. We, we fall out of love with them because our feelings dictate what the love is. And yet agape love is this unconditional love. And it is an action word. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's something that actually permeates through an act of will. And so when we look at what love is and uh, when we look at 1 Corinthians 13, as we keep going on in that passage from verse 4, it says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is uh, is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You see, in that whole passage of Scripture, we don't have feelings. We don't have goosebumps. We don't have this kind of wow factor. All of these things, is, 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 it's, it's, uh, it's an action that's being lived out. It's all about what we're doing to others and why we do it. Gentleman by Thomas, uh, I think it's Kempis, said this. He says, whoever loves much does much. The response we have to the people around us and how we respond to what they do and what we do to them is where it becomes challenging because it's day in, day out. Good days, bad days. Rainy days, sunny days, there's a consistency in how we live out our lives. When God loves us, I'm really glad he doesn't love us with emotion. Because I know I've done things in my life that would have really bothered him. And I'm sure you have done also. We've hurt the Lord with our attitudes and actions so many times. And yet this action of keeping no record of wrong, being patient, being kind, not envying, not boasting, not being proud, not self-seeking. Uh, all of these things are challenging because it's, it's something that requires an action, not just an emotion. But it leads on to the next thing because love is actually also a choice. We have a choice as to what we do. There's a red pill and there's a blue pill. Some of you will get this and some of you will not. I was debating as to whether even to bring it up and just thought the imagery could do the rest. There is a film called The Matrix. And in the film, there's this choice of choosing two realities between the red pill or the blue pill. Love is always a choice, isn't it? Love is always a choice. We have a choice as to whether we step into God's reality, into what God is wanting to do through our lives, or we choose to respond to our flesh, which is, you know, one could be the red pill, one could be the blue pill. One way or another, we're choosing. We're always choosing in life. Nothing just happens. To show love is actually a choice. 
Our, f- our flesh will usually always have an opinion as to what we do in circumstances. I, I think no matter what happens to you, there's always a choice as to how we respond. And I think, um, you know, for myself, it, it's easy to love the people that love me. How many of you found that? It's very easy to love the people that love you. But it's very challenging to love the people who do not like you and speak ill of you or do things that hurt you. It's very difficult to respond in love. That's, this is, to be honest, I think when we start making every effort to add agape love, I think it's the people that you despise the most in your life, these are the people we're talking about right now. When, when God is saying making every effort to add to your, your faith love, He's saying, I want you to make every effort to add love to the people that you do not like at this moment. Make every effort. Because we, it's easy to love the people that bring out the best in us. But it's difficult to love the people that bring out the worst in us. Or the people that challenge us. Or the people that rub us the wrong way. Or, or even inconvenience, inconveniences us. You see, when we have this picture of, uh, and all of us I'm sure are very familiar of the Good Samaritan. How many of you have heard of the Good Samaritan? Yeah? And even if you're not a churchgoer, I'm sure you've heard about the Good Samaritan. You see, what was this whole passage of Scripture about? This, Jesus was being asked, what is greatest commandments? And um, was answered to love your Lord your God with all your heart, to love your neighbors yourself. And uh, the guy was wanting to justify himself. So he's asked, who is my neighbor, right? Who is my neighbor? To love your neighbors yourself. Who is my neighbor? And uh, Jesus then goes on in this passage of Scripture to really unpackage who our neighbors are. The neighbor in this Good Samaritan, actually, let's just read it. Do you mind if we just read it real quickly? I know some of you have not heard this story. No, I think you've all heard this story. Okay. We'll read it anyways. I've got the microphone. Okay. I was going down, a man was going down to Jerusalem, to Jericho, when he fell into the hands of, the, of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he was traveling, came where the man was. And uh, when he saw him, took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, poured, and, uh, poured on oil and wine, and put the man on his own donkey. He took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave it, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after me, he says, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for an extra expense you may have, for any ex- extra expense you may have. Which of these do you, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus says, go and do likewise. I know that we all, um, as most of you acknowledge, have heard this story before. But actually, what is loving? What is, it's, it's actually this choice of getting engaged and involving. It is showing kindness to those who, to, who hurt us. It's, it's, it's responding and keeping no records of wrong. But actually, it's also, it's, it's being inconvenienced to help. Again, to say that we love and to, to say, I, I, I just, I'm going to grow in love, but actually are not, do not allow inconveniences to help people come upon our path isn't really a demonstration of love. 
And again, James talks about this, right? Faith and deeds. If, if you see someone in need and, and do nothing about it, how can you say you have faith? Right? Why? Because faith needs to be lived out in this love. To turn a blind eye isn't necessarily what love is. The priests, the Levites, they, they kind of just went along, went along with their, their work. And so for us, I think you and I, we, we, we both have these, this challenge of, of how we live this out. How do we grow in love? Because it is not an emotion, it's an action word. It is a choice that you and I have, but it also requires an object, right? We're to love God with all we have, but we, I've shared this in the past, we love God, the invisible God, by loving the visible people. We can't say we love God, but don't do anything for the people around us. We only can demonstrate love in two directions. We demonstrate love to God by loving the people in which He's put upon our path. We already, we know God, hopefully, but we have our neighbors. And our neighbors are all sorts of people in our lives. And I said, it's not just the nice people, it's the people we just kind of meet on the street. It's the people that maybe come to the night shelter. You know, even this, you think, well, I don't really like getting up early. I don't like staying up late. I don't like, do you know what? It's, it's what we do to the least of these, we do unto the Lord. And I don't mean to guilt you into saying, yes, I'll help you with the night shelter. <laughs> Because that would be manipulating. But the scripture does say it. <laughs> so if you can take it up with the Bible, I guess. Take it up with the Lord. Pray, pray about it. The thing is, is that helping and showing love is inconvenient. You see, we like the lovey stuff that we have something to gain out of the experience. But love, this agape love is unconditional. We, the unconditional love that God has for us we get nothing. It isn't about what we get out of the exchange, but it's what we give into it. Those who love much, give much, do much. Why? Because there's something propels them. There's this compassion in your heart that says, you know, I, I can do that. I'm sure the Samaritan was inconvenienced by this whole situation. I'm sure he was probably late for his evening meal. I'm sure he probably had to be inconvenienced financially by this whole thing, as we saw with no repayment. But you know what? He demonstrated what Jesus was looking for. And you and I, we all have a story to play. We all have, we all have a part to play in this. Who is your neighbor? Can I just tell you, it is not just the nice people that you like. It is the people around us in this world that need to know the love of Jesus working its way out through you. It's the people in Brighton who are homeless. It's the people in Burgess Hill that need help. It's the people in Hayward Heath that, that need to know that there's someone that cares for them. We heard Emily share two weeks ago about this lady who she's just befriended. And her saying, no one's ever loved me before. No one's ever accepted me before. Wow. Church, there's so many people living around us who've never felt love before. An unconditional love. Sometimes the most prickly people that we meet are the people that need love the most. And often they're the people everyone else rejects because of the prickliness in their lives. You know, can we get past that? Can we be the church? Can we be the, the people that say, you know what? Even though you're prickly towards me, I'm going to keep loving you. You're going to be so annoyed by me because I'm going to keep showing kindness, even though you're nasty. Remember, you and I are the hands and feet of Christ in this world. Our Christian witness is effective when, we, uh, when it's accompanied by our actions, our love, and not just by words. There's, there's something that needs to be tangible 
to our, our message when love is the underlying tone that people pick up off our lives. And that isn't just verbal, it's, it's demonstration. Again, love is this action. We need God's help. We need a, a dependency in the Holy Spirit. And, and again, I am in this, in this with you. There's so many opportunities I have to demonstrate love and I choose to opt out to what my flesh says, saying they're not really nice. I'm busy. I'm too, this will be inconvenient if I, if I help, if I engage in this, this moment. But you know what God says? I, I want you to make every effort to add your love, my love, into your life. That people would see the fruit of love coming off your tree. They would recognize the fruit. You see, it's the fruit that demonstrates really where our heart is, isn't it? And that's the challenging bit of this whole thing. And this is why I think when, when we look at the scripture, in each of the, the weeks we've looked at it, isn't, it isn't about us trying harder, but it's us pressing into God more. Saying, God, I, I need your love, so I have something to give. And even the people right now that come to mind that really are irritating me, or really challenging me, or a situation I, I could intervene, but I don't know if I should. We need God's love to help override those other emotions that would stop us from doing the right thing. You know, in all of us, we have this amazing Holy Spirit who convicts us and challenges us in those moments what we should do. And it's easy for us to rationalize why we shouldn't do that. How many of you have kind of done that at moments? You know you should do this. You know you should respond this way to that situation. But your rationale quickly kicks in saying why you shouldn't. And then you kind of just go on. Could we be the people that just dare to just listen to that voice? Choose to take the pill of love and say, I'm going to choose for love right now. Even though everything in me wants to choose to not love right now. Jesus has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And this includes love. Where we lack, he can supply. Jesus even recognized that you can, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, we cannot love as he calls us to love, but in him we can. And that's the good news. We can't do this on our own, but with Jesus we can. I, my prayer is that as a church, we would be the most loving, embracing church there is. That people would know us by our love. Right? In fact, that's what we see in Scripture. Jesus said, you'll, that you'll, they'll know that you're my disciples by your love. We need to make every effort to tap into his supply. We can pray, God, give me the love I need for this person, this, this situation. Again, I think even the troubling things that happen in the world, sometimes it's, it's easy to take a, a human response to, to, to want to hurt the people who hurt the people maybe that we're close to. And yet... That's not necessarily God's plan, is it? Love is an area that we all need to continue to press into God to grow in. And uh, there is no, we can't look at one another and compare what love really is if we're showing enough love because Jesus is the benchmark for our lives. And again, I think there's a temptation for us to think, well, I am doing a lot. But actually, in comparison to the rest of the people in the church, but actually, we, we can't look at one another because we love as Christ loved us. And then that sets a different benchmark, doesn't it? That that's becomes challenging. And that becomes outside the sphere of what we can do. 
I can love as Tom loves, but I can't, or David loves, or Hannah loves. I probably can do that, maybe, though they're quite amazing people. But I can't love as Christ loves without his help. And God wants us to move in our lives in the supernatural. And I think, again, in order for our lives to be effective and um, productive, love needs to be an ingredient that we have in our lives, isn't it? We can prophesy, we can see healings, we can see all those things. But if love isn't part of that ingredient, for everyone else in the world, it means nothing. It doesn't really matter if you have faith to move the mountains. If you can't love your neighbor, it doesn't make any difference in this world, really. And that's the challenge for us. Why don't you stand with me, please? I'll just call the band up, please. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.